All right, well, love God, love people. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. If you weren't here last week, if you're new, if this is your first time joining with us, uh, we have a vision day every year, and that was last weekend, uh, where we share the vision of uh, where God's taking us for the year. And so we share that uh, every January, about the third week of January, we always share that vision. So if you missed it, don't worry, you can jump right in, but you can also go on our website. We have all of our messages online. You can, you can see vision day uh, that we shared last week. Uh, but really, we, we're reshaping our church. And so we've had a, a, a vision of reaching the West Ridge of Pittsburgh and beyond, and we've kind of shifted that. We really felt like we had to explain that a lot, and it just really didn't, uh, obviously, we, we always want to reach people, so that part of the vision will always stick with us, but, uh, but because it wasn't clear and wasn't concise, and it really wasn't the heartbeat of our church, we've asked God, God, who, you know, what do you want us to define our vision as a church? And Jesus just does a phenomenal job of explaining that in Matthew 22. So our vision as a church is love God, love people. And so today I want to start a series and really just unpack that and open it up. And I don't care if you've been following Jesus for 50 years or today's day one that you'll begin following Jesus. He's going to speak to every one of us in a powerful way today. Uh, let's read this scripture together. Matthew chapter 2, 22, 37, and 39. Uh, it'll be on your screens. If you've got your Bibles, please open them. Bring your Bibles. That's what we're here. We're here to learn the Word of God. Uh, if not, you can catch your screens, or if you've got your Bible apps, you can open them. Look, it's all okay for me. But let's read uh, 22, 37 through 39 together. It says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so this is where we get the vision, love God, love people. All right. And so uh, today I want to really talk about the cost of following Jesus. You know, there's a cost to following Jesus. Uh, and we sometimes, depending on where you're at with the Lord, if you're, uh, I remember I got saved in this church. So I met the Lord right here at Westridge uh, about 20 plus years ago. Uh, but, you know, I looked at that as a negative, right? When you follow Jesus, the cost for us as a person, it seems negative, but actually Jesus says, no, it's the most fulfilled, abundant life that you'll ever know or see. Um, but the cost really is, who really paid the heavy price? He did. Jesus did. It cost him everything. He sacrificed his life. He went to the cross and sacrificed it for who? He, he did it for you and for me. He sacrificed. He gave his life for every one of our mistakes, our sins. Let's be very clear. Every single one of us in this room, we've all fallen short. We've all missed it. We've all blown it. We've all sinned. Every one of us. There's only been one, Jesus Christ, who's lived perfectly, never without sin. And he sacrificed himself. The Father sent his son to die on our behalf, to take our sins. So the cost, the heavy cost, the heavy load, who did all the work? He did. He did. And so the cost of following Jesus, uh, I want you to see that Jesus did. He sacrificed himself. He rose from the grave. And here's, here's something we, uh, we may know in our head, but sometimes we forget. He not only rose from the grave, but he appeared. And for 40 days, as the risen Christ appeared to people, not only to his followers, not only to, to those that loved him, he appeared to thousands of people, the scripture says. In Acts, it says he appeared to thousands in one moment. People that didn't believe him, didn't like him, whatever. He appeared, and we have this documented in the scriptures and outside of the scriptures. There's been many historical writers that wrote that they saw the resurrected Christ. Unbelievable. Uh, so he, he not only rose from the dead, he not only revealed himself for 40 days, then he ascended into heaven. He's not dead. He's alive today, ruling and reigning from heaven at the right hand of the Father. He's ruling. He's still working. He's still sending miracles and amazing things from heaven to earth, doing amazing work. He went to heaven, and he sent a tremendous gift, didn't he? He sent the Holy Spirit to us. And so now God lives in every follower of Christ. That's what a Christian is. A Christian is a follower of Christ. As somebody who follows, 
It means that we're following Jesus. Look, here's the cost of uh, following Jesus for us, that we're followers. Yes, we're leaders in a sense. We're leaders in a sense of we're here. Jesus said, you go and you make disciples. So in a leadership sense, we're to take this amazing scripture and gospel and good news. We're ambassadors of the word of God to every person we meet on this earth. So in that sense, we're a leader. But let's understand that we're always, always followers of our Lord. He's the head. We're always under his authority. We're always under his truth and his word his direction, his guidance. And so for us, we need to understand our place. He's the Lord. He's our Savior. We look to him. We follow him. I love that Jesus, when he began this work, and today that's what I want to talk about when we talk about the cost of following Jesus. He made it so simple for us in a a sense. Simple that um, he says, I just want you to follow me. Follow me. You know, that's how he chose his 12 disciples. Maybe you're sitting here and saying, well, why me? I remember I had this conversation with the Lord and with myself many times. Why would God choose me? And why would he choose you? And why would he choose you? Why would God choose you? I, you know, there's no way God, if you knew, anybody say that to God? God, if you only knew as if he doesn't know, he knows everything. If you only knew what I did last night or what, the way I've been for years of my life, if you only knew, there's no way you would choose me. You know, we had some fun with the students this week. We kind of sat in around and talked about this scripture in, in general. But uh, hypothetically, let me ask you some questions, and you can kind of chew on us and think about it. But hypothetically, if you were Jesus, and I know you're not Jesus and I'm not Jesus, so please don't take it out of context. Um, and please don't put it on Google and edit that out. All right, so if you were Jesus, hypothetically, if you were Jesus, who would you choose as your 12? If you had the choice... And you were choosing the 12 guys that were going to really propel your message. Who would you choose? It's interesting, right? Uh, You might be thinking, well, I might choose the most influential. I might choose, you know, maybe, well, I need at least a wealthy one in there to help take care of the things. I need need a smart one in there to really think through things. I need an organizer in there, you know, get, you know, that's, this is what we do as people, don't we? And certainly, of the 12 disciples that Jesus chose, there were were different gifts and talents. But if if you've really read the gospel, if you've ever read uh, these stories about the 12 that he chose, I guarantee you, I promise you, that wouldn't have been who you chose, and it wouldn't have been who I chose, right? Jesus didn't choose who he thought. And so let's read it together, and and this will help you. Maybe you're saying, well, why me? I'm not worthy. There's no way God would choose me. Why would he choose somebody like me? a wretch, a sinner. There's no way God would choose me to do this work. And then we think about the apostles, <clears throat> excuse me, and the apostles are, by the way, great men of God, great women of God. There's some, there's some great followers, Mary and all of those that follow Jesus and the, and the apostles, the original 12, they're great men of God. But let me, just, let me just weave a seed into you that you need to keep today. You and you and me and each one of you, man or woman, you are all powerful men and women of God too. All of you are. And you need to receive it because a lot of times what we do is we're, we're robbing ourselves. And we know that the original seed comes from the enemy. We know the devil's trying to snatch away the good news and the gospel and the good seeds that Jesus is planting. But the enemy is rob- robbing you. And you, you know, a lot of times if you're anything like me, and maybe I'm just the biggest heathen in the room, all right? I'm not a heathen anymore. I was a heathen. I'm a, I'm a saint now. But maybe, maybe if you're anything like me, all the enemy has to do is plant 
the thought in your mind, and then you run and take it, and you do whatever you want with it, right? You sit there and say, there's no way God can use me. I'm not worthy enough. I'm not good enough. Maybe if I do these 10 things, and then you do the 10 things, and then, well, I need 10 more, and then you get there, and 10. There's never, ever a place where you go, ah, I'm there. Listen, it's not about that. All Jesus said is, follow me. Follow me, that's it. He didn't say, follow me with conditions. He didn't say, follow me if you only have this gift or talent, or if you have this economic status or this position or this career. Look at who he chose. Let's read it together. Uh, Matthew chapter, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 5. Let's start there. Luke chapter 5. Verse 1, it says this. So it was, and I want you to, I'm just going to read this first sentence, and I just want you to think about this. So it was that the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of Gennesaret or the, or the Sea of Galilee. Everywhere Jesus went, everywhere Jesus went, there was a crowd. Why? You ever thought about that? Regardless of what people believed about Jesus, they wanted to be around him. When he showed up in your city, people were like, man, you got to get here. Go get Aunt Susie. Go get Billy. Get Jimmy. Jesus is here. We need to be there. Why? I don't know, but we need to be there. I believe that is the attraction of the church. Now, maybe culture doesn't say that, but I believe God is doing something in the church, this church, West Ridge, and churches all over our community. I believe, I believe that those that are lost or de-churched or hurt or whatever their scenarios of why they're not in church, I believe they're going to start being attracted to Jesus, and guess who's going to be the image bearer of God? It's going to be you and me. I believe just like Jesus walked in this town and people were surrounding him, I believe that's the heartbeat. That's the vision of what God's going to do as we love God and love people. Let's continue. It says, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone them, and they were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught in the multitudes from a boat. The man preached from a boat. God's so good. When he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled or we've worked all night and caught zero. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Any fishermen out here are going to love this. And their net was breaking. And they signaled to their partners in another boat, come and help me. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. That is a lot of fish. If you're a fisherman, you've never caught that many fish. I promise you. They filled both boats that the boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they brought their boats to land, they forsook all, forsook all and followed him. They follow Jesus. Now, when you read that, you're, again, maybe you're saying, why me? Look, Jesus, he showed up on the Sea of Galilee. If you've ever been there, I had the privilege of being there last year at the Sea of Galilee. Most of Je- Two-thirds of Jesus' ministry was right there in that little spot. If your Bible says Gethsemane, it's just the other side of the lake, okay? So it's the same, it's the same sea. And by the way, it's not a sea. The sea of Gal- it's a lake, 
It's a, you know, they, they call it a sea, but in our standards here in America, it'd be like a lake, like Lake Michigan or Lake Erie. It's kind of, it's not that big is what I'm saying. But this lake, if you've ever been there, is full. It is, t- it is full of fish. Even today, you go there, we were throwing bread in the water and it's amazing how many fish just, it was crazy. And so when you read scriptures like this, like they put their net in and they pulled up so many fish, it's amazing how God has blessed this little piece of water. Even while I was in Israel, there was fishermen all over the lake in the mornings. All over. They were fishing all day long. This was their, this was their occupation. They were fishermen. Maybe you're a fisherman. Look, it's, it's not a bad job. And they were all out there. Uh, it was neat. We were there on the Sabbath. We got, to, we got to celebrate the Sabbath there in Israel. And we were there. And they don't fish on the Sabbath. Well, most of them don't. There were a few. And they had a lot to say about those few that were fishing on the Sabbath. <laughs> you know, it was, it was crazy. I have never experienced, I mean, uh, I, I love the Sabbath. Jen and I and our family have learned to honor the Sabbath. It's, it's just an amazing principle that God's given to us and we've, we've lived out. But I've never experienced it like this. We were in Jerusalem and we're, uh, the team and I were getting on an elevator and we didn't know. We're, we're just, you know, um, we're not Jewish. Let's just say that. So we get there and we get on the elevator and there's a little red light and it's in Hebrew. And we're like, oh, I wonder what that means. So we get in the elevator, and it closes. And, you know, when you get in the elevator, what do you do? You push the floor you want to go to. Well, I push the floor, and they push the floor, and nothing. It didn't light up. I'm like, well, it must be broken or something. I don't know. And then the elevator starts moving, and we're like, whoa, where are we going? And it, ding, stops. Not our floor. Close back up. Ding. Next floor. It's kind of like, you know, when your kids get on it, and they go, and they hit every button. That's what was happening. I was going to each floor, each floor, each floor, and it would open. So we learned it's, it's a Sabbath elevator. They don't want you working and pushing the button. So it just goes to every floor and it opens. And then they taught us, you know, some of the Jews taught us, they said, when the door opens, there's somebody there, you're supposed to say, shalom, shalom. We're like, oh. And they said, the Gentile elevator's over there. <laughs> That elevator worked. You could push the buttons. It didn't matter on the Sabbath. And so that was fun. That was fun. They love us. It's great. Um, so why me? You know, you read a story like this, these fishermen. Why would Jesus choose these fishermen? And then Peter, he says, isn't it interesting what Peter said? Again, if you had to pick your team at 12, you probably wouldn't have picked these fishermen. And Peter, they caught all these fish. And what did Peter do? He fell to his knees and said, Oh, Lord, forgive me. I'm such a sinner. Why? Why would he say that? All they, they caught a whole bunch of fish. Miraculous catch of fish, by the way. The biggest amount of catch. Because what does the scripture say? It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. Peter realized who Jesus was. Peter realized that this guy is different. Peter realized that I'm standing in front of somebody and it's changing me. And Jesus just said a few words to him and John and all those that were there. He said, look, follow me. And they left their, their jobs. And they followed Jesus for three years. And you're sitting there saying, well, well why would Jesus choose me? Look, he's not looking for the most wealthy. He's not looking for the elite educated. He's not looking for a certain position. You know what he's looking for? He's looking for those that have a heart that says, God, I'll follow you. 
I'll follow you. I may not know much about you. I may not know what's about to happen. But I do recognize that you're God. And I'm all in. And I'm just going to follow you. Aren't you thankful he makes it that simple? Look, it doesn't matter if you're a child, if you're an adult. If you're somebody on this planet that has some kind of special needs, it doesn't matter. God can speak to us all. Simple and complex all at the same time. It just says, I want you to follow me. And you're saying, why me? But these apostles were great. These apostles were, these, these were like the greatest men of all times. And, and I agree with you. Why? Because God did something in them. And you can be that same way. In fact, Jesus said this about you and I, didn't he? He said, you're going to do even greater things than I. We have a remarkable opportunity to reach people like never before. We could touch somebody in China in seconds over the internet. We could touch somebody in another country, wherever they are, in our own cities, in our own neighborhoods, in an instant. Technology is such a blessing in that way that we have a tremendous opportunity to show the love of Christ very simply. Look, Jesus had to walk. So yes, in a lot of ways, we can do things in a greater way just because of what God has done with technology and different things. But I also believe supernaturally, miraculously, with salvation, with setting free, with showing people the love of God that he's using us. Of course, it's Jesus that saves. Of course, it's Jesus that heals. Of course, it's Jesus that does miracles. You know what? But he always uses his disciples. And let's put it in reality. He only uses the church. You and me, not buildings, people. He's using us. All of this is, why me? Because he loves you. Because he believes in you. Because he sees value in you. Because he made you. Because he created you. You do have special gifts. You do have special talents. Sure, we all have different measures. But do you think because I have more or less than you that you're better than me? Absolutely not. We're serving the same God. We're on the same mission. We have the same purpose. To glorify and exalt and show people Jesus. And we want to lead people into repentance of Christ by showing the kindness and love of God. That's why I love this vision. Love God. That's why I love it, because we can love God. We can make that choice. Jesus isn't forcing you to love him. He's made an opportunity for every person on this planet to know him. But you're not a robot. He's not controlling you with a joystick in heaven. He's given you the choice to love him. And look at how simple God has made it. Well, what does loving God mean? Jesus made it really simple. Love me with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Listen, you be you. You don't have to be me, and I don't have to be you. Even though you look up to somebody, you're like, boy, I wish I could do that. At the end of the day, you'll never be him, or you'll never be her. You're going to be you. And find a way to love God with every part of you, with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and don't miss the word all. In Greek, it's halos. You know what it means? All. Everything, with everything, with wholeness, with every part of you. And look, I understand. It doesn't mean that we're, we're only perfect in a sense that we're perfect as we're looked at through Christ, through the blood of Jesus. We're perfect because of Christ. But do you think the disciples didn't make mistakes? If you read the same Bible as me, they make mistakes. In fact, Jesus had to tell them, hey, guys, don't do that again. The reason why you couldn't heal that man is because you didn't pray and you didn't fast. You did, here's what he was saying. 
You didn't ask me. You just went up and said, be healed. And you expect in your own fruition, your own power to happen? No, you need God. You need Jesus to do those things. You need the Holy Spirit to do those things. So look, we're going to make mistakes. It doesn't mean that you can't follow God. Look, if you make a mistake, make it right with the person and with God. And keep going. Keep following. That's why we're following, because we need God to show us. That's why we follow. We need the, that's why Jesus went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit. He knew we all needed help. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. He's there to help you. He leads you to truth. He gives you guidance. He gives you direction. He convicts you when you do something wrong. That's why he's here. But so many times we get in our heads and we think, oh, I can't go to church today because of what I did. I can't follow God. I'm not good enough to do this. Listen, yes, you are. Jesus is coming to you and he's coming to me. And he came to those fishermen and he said, I want you to follow me. Love me with all your heart. With all, all I'm asking is you try. All I'm asking is that you make a choice to love me, that you make a choice to worship, that you make a choice to honor, that you make a choice to follow me, to follow, to follow. Look, a lot of times, uh, maybe I'm speaking on my own ignorance, okay? A lot of times when I struggle with my relationship with God is when I take the wheel and I'm driving it myself. Do I know Jesus? Am I saved? Yes. But a lot of times when I get into the biggest trouble, it's when I take the wheel and I say, God, I can do this on my own. Look, I certainly understand as we learn the heart of God that we can make good choices because we know his heart. But a lot of times we want to take the wheel. We want to control the actions. We want to control what's happening. And we want to tell God to bless it while we're doing it. In Jesus' name, please. Look, using, look, when you know God, his name is very powerful, but let's not make a mistake. He's the Lord. We're not the Lord. We follow the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the King, and we're his followers. And so a lot of times when we get in trouble, it's a good heart check, isn't it? Love me with all your heart, soul, and mind. God, am I doing that right now, or, or am I driving a ship and asking you to bless it? And, and, I'm, and I'm praying, God, do this, please. God, answer it. Maybe God has a whole different way for you to think. You know, think about that. The fishermen were professional fishermen. They did not catch fish because they weren't good at their job. They were great at their job. They just had a bad night. Has anybody had a bad night? And Jesus just said, hey, guys, right now I want you to go out and I want you to throw your nets and let's see what happens. And they did it and they've caught the most fish they probably will ever catch in their life. They were astonished and amazed, it says. And what if that's you and me? What if we're driving this ship? What if we're trying to fish? And it's not that we're not good. It's not that we don't have talents and gifts, but we just had a bad night. And what if it all it takes is Jesus to say, hey, guys, over there. That's what I love about being a follower. His way is always, always higher than our ways. It's always better than our ways. So what does it mean to follow God with all your heart, soul, and mind? It means you have a relationship with the living God. It means that sometimes, well, let me just say every time we should obey. But sometimes you've got to let go of the wheel and let him steer. Get in the passenger seat. And don't be that backseat driver saying, Jesus, turn left, buddy. 
That's why you have him inside of you. He's there to guide you. He's there to direct you. He's there to lead you to truth. And I love that about the Lord. He's there always to show us his heart and his truth and his ways. Right? That's what the, that's what the proverb says. I'm a lamp unto your feet. Some people say, just take a leap. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says take a step of faith. Take a step of faith. Why? Because, let's be real. I remember, uh, I didn't share this first service, but I, I just feel like I should share it. When Jen and I moved to Dallas and we went to plant a church, um, God told us to move to Dallas, but he didn't show us the whole picture. And I'm thankful he didn't because this is what you and I do. This, at least this is what I do. Maybe I can just tell you my own crutches. If God would have told me to move to Dallas and he would have shown me all the good and bad that would happen, I wouldn't have went. I wouldn't have went. It was the hardest. It was really some of the most pain and hurt that I've ever received in my life. But you know what? It was also the most healing and the best time of my life. I've grew more in the Lord in that season of my life than I ever have in my lifetime. Why? Because he used a terrible situation and he turned it into good. But if you'd have told me that before I went, I wouldn't have went. And you probably wouldn't have either. And that's what I love about taking steps because God knows the picture. If you read about Joseph, he gave Joseph a dream when he was a teenager, but it wasn't fulfilled till 30 years or so later. Later. And you know what? Joseph tried to manipulate the dream in a lot of different ways. He did some things he shouldn't have. And that's what we do sometimes, right? We're taking the wheel. Oh God, he gave me that dream. So this is what it looks like. No, that's not always what it looks like. I want you to be in a pit. I want you to be enslaved to a nation. I'm not going right? That's what you would say. But God used that terrible situation in Joseph's life and did exactly what the dream said 30 plus years later. What does loving God mean? That you trust him, that you worship him, that you let him be Lord and you let him lead you. I know that's not always easy. That's not always what's taught in the world and culture, but we serve a great God who's never messed up. I love what Felicia said on the stage. He's never messed up. Never messed up. Let me close with this final thought. Purposeful choices. Purposeful choices. Loving God means we make purposeful choices. Maybe you're here today. Maybe this is your first time or maybe you haven't been in church in a while. Look, this is a good choice. A lot of times we make excuses, don't we? Excuses of why we can't worship, excuses of why we can't follow God, excuses of why that I can't do great things for the kingdom of God, excuses why that God won't use me. Can I just encourage you that God needs, wants to erase and eradicate that from you today? Because you're robbing yourself from the greatest life that Jesus died to give you. He died so you can understand this abundant life that he promised you. So let's not rob God of what he wants to give to you. Let's not let the enemy, let's not let your own head, let's not let politics, let's not let people, let's not let your careers dictate how you worship God. You worship God regardless of where you are, who you're with. You worship God with everything that you have. And you don't let people or the enemy or yourself say that you can't worship God. You make the choice to worship. Jesus uh, shared a story in Luke, and I, uh, I'll give you this passage. I actually have two, but I'm just going to read this one out of Luke 14. So guys, just do the Luke passage with me. And Luke 14, this is a story of the, uh, the Great Supper. I don't know if you've ever read this story, but it's remarkable because uh, in Jesus' day, we, sometimes we think that that's not relevant because it's thousands of years ago, but you're going to see in Jesus' day and today, it's the same. 
The heart is the same. The root's the same. I know situations and places and things like that may be different, but really the root of the problem is the same. Look at what Luke 14 says, starting in verse 15. It says, Now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is all who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus, he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, so there was invitations that went out, Come for now, all the things are ready. Come to the party. But they all with one accord, listen to this, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground and I must go see it. I ask that you have me excused. I bought a piece of ground. I can't come. Look, that's awesome. It's awesome that you got a piece of ground. It's awesome that God's blessed you with a piece of land. By the way, he owns the land that you just bought. It's awesome. But is that an excuse of not to worship God? How about the next guy? But they all, um, the next guy. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask that you be excused. You know what? You could test those oxen for years. Why can't you worship today? Here's what Jesus is saying. No, you're going to make an excuse today and tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. You're just going to keep making excuses. It's a purposeful choice of not to worship. And then another said, I've, uh, I love this one. Still another said, I've married a wife. Blame the wife. Come on. <laughs> blame the wife or blame the husband. I can't worship because you gave me a wife. So that servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, listen to this, said to his servant, you go out into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, master, it's done. Look, purposeful choice, it's done. He did what he asked and still there's room. Then the master said to his servant, go into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of these men who are invited shall taste my supper. Listen, I don't know where you are today, but I'm thankful you're here. Look, whether you're here today and, and I was asking you a question, are you following Jesus? Maybe your reaction was like mine years ago. I was one of these guys making excuses. You know how I found Westridge? I tell this and it's really funny. I found Westridge because I was looking for the wave pool. I was making an excuse to go swim at the wave pool and somehow we ended up at the church. And from that moment, God began to change Jen and I but I was one of those guys making excuses why I can't worship. I was making a purposeful choice of not to worship. It was a piece of land. It was an oxen. It was my wife, whatever it is. And maybe you're here today and that's you. Maybe you've just, if I was to ask you, are you following Jesus? Maybe you're making excuses. Look, God loves you. Let's make a different choice. Let's see what God would do if you chose to worship him. Let's see what God would do if you would worship him Look, give him your heart. Give him your soul. Give your What would God do with you? Why me? Yes, you. God chose, he chose some fishermen. You know, another, another time he was choosing a guy named Levi who was a tax collector. And here's what the religious people said. Why are you, Jesus, sitting with tax collectors and sinners? Why would you sit with those people? And Jesus said this. He said, I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I didn't come for those that were righteous. I came for the sinner. I came for the sinner. And so if you're sitting here and saying, well, God would not choose me because I've done this or that. If God only knew, let me tell you something. God knows. He died for every sin. There's not one sin that he didn't die for. He died for them all. 
and he's thankful you're here. And if you're making excuses, look, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to come back. Today's the day to say, God, I'm sorry, and I'm ready. And I'm ready. Maybe you haven't given your life to Jesus. Look, today's the day. Maybe today you've walked away. You're like the prodigal son. You're the one that's kind of left God. He never left you. He never left you. And maybe you're here today and you know what an abundant life this is. You know what a blessing it is to serve the living God. You know how good it is to live for Jesus and to make purposeful choices to worship God. You know. Then we just stand here and what do we do? Is it about us? Absolutely not. It's for his glory. It's for his kingdom. It's for his plan. It's for his purpose. And all day long, all day long, we choose to praise him with our songs, with our life, with our words, with our families, with our whatever God gives us. It's for his purpose. And so wherever you're at today, I just want to remind you, let's make a purposeful choice to worship him, love him, love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. Why don't you stand to your feet? I just want to pray with you. And every eye closed. Look, don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about your friend. I'm going to say something that's kind of, uh, you know, in verbiage, it doesn't sound right. But with your eyes closed, I just want you to watch. Just watch for a second. And Jesus said this in John chapter 8. He said, the truth will set you free and you'll be free indeed. Listen to me. It doesn't matter if you can quote a scripture. That doesn't set you free. It doesn't matter if you memorize the scripture. That doesn't set you free. What sets you free is when you are a follower of Jesus and that truth becomes your DNA. It becomes your culture. And today, maybe that's not you. Maybe today you know there's areas of your life that you're not following Jesus and look, it's okay. Just right there, you just say, God, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And lead me to truth because that truth is going to set me free. And I believe that today, whether it's you're receiving Jesus for the first time, you're giving him your life. You're going to follow him today. Today's a new day. Maybe you're coming back to God. He's going to set you free today. And as we pray, I just want you to think about this. The truth will set you free. You'll be free indeed. If you're here today and you have fear, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, if you have stress, if you have anger, if you have sickness, if you have disease, if you have brokenness, if you have hurt, if you have pain, if you have frustration, the truth will set you free. I promise you, this life that Jesus is calling to you is abundant, it's full, it's eternal, it will go on forever. I don't care if it's narrower than what the world shows you. It is the way, the truth, and the life, and I promise you it's a a blessing that will keep blessing you forever and ever and ever. This is the only way. This is the only way. Jesus died so you can understand this life that he's called you to. Why me? Yes, you. God is choosing you today. He's choosing you right now. Lord, I just thank you for this church. For every person and the sound of my voice, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to them? God, is there a way that we can worship you more? Is there a way that we can serve you more? God, we want to love you with all that we have, with all that we are. God, if there's something we need to change, Holy Spirit, show us. Show us. I'm not any better than anyone in this room, and they're not any better than me. 
But God, I declare that you are Jesus Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Lord. And I will follow you all of my days. And if that's what you want to do today, just simply say it in your own words. Jesus, I choose you. God, thank you for choosing me. I will follow you. I will follow you. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, let's worship.